The concept of retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA, founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent practice with securities offered through Raymond James Inc., member FINRA SIPC. He's here to help you develop a better way of managing your money. This is Retire While You Work. Hello and welcome to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch us every Sunday from 5 to 6 p.m. So thanks for being here. I'll tell you, we, uh, we want to take your questions uh, today. We have a lot of questions that we receive throughout the week. So if you have a question, please give us a call at 615-435-3644. Or as always, you can go to our website at, at retirewhileyouwork.com. Click the Contact Us button. We'd love to hear from you. And today I've got a couple of special guests here in studio. I have returning back uh, for, gosh, I don't know how many shows, a lot of shows, Siobhan Farler, who's a wealth manager and COO of our practice. Hello, Hello. Siobhan. Hello, David. It's glad to be back in the studio. I really enjoy doing this. Glad you're here. We've got uh, we've got some good questions this week, don't we? Yes, some really good ones from actually some client meetings we've had this past week, and some potential listeners and some listeners. Okay. So really good questions. Good stuff. I look forward to answering those. We'll get to those in our next segment, and then we have our special guest here today, Catherine X. Russ. Hello, Catherine. Hello. Good morning <laughs> or good afternoon. Yes. Well, glad you're here. And so, Catherine is a TV producer and a gifted visual artist. And uh, like myself, she experienced a health scare with her father that really caused her to reevaluate some of the uh, priorities in her life. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I hope that's okay, Catherine. Sure. <laughs> that's something. Um, that's something that if you've listened to the show for a while, I've, I've had my father here on the show. He was really the inspiration and kind of the meaning behind why we um, started doing this radio show and the Retire While You Work concept. And so, Catherine, basically, my dad was the typical, he was the 40-year corporate person. So he worked 60, 70 hours a week. He was in retail, worked himself literally almost to death in his early 60s. Um, almost had a stroke, um, ended up being okay, but got rushed to the emergency room, had that aha moment. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I may not make it to retirement. I've been working all these years. He thought he just needed three or four more years to get to social security so he could retire when he felt comfortable and, um, his health kind of got ahead of him. And so at 63, he had that, he had to make that decision. And that calls me as an advisor, you know, he was saying, son, I'm just not ready to retire. I've got to go back to work. And I said, Dad, I'm not losing my dad to retail. I'm not going to let it happen. We've got to figure out, you know, what good is another hundred thousand bucks or whatever it is for working, a, you know, X amount of years, if uh, you're not going to get to enjoy your retirement with with mom. And so we had a lot of heart to hearts, and through that period, um, I learned a lot about the mindset of um, retirees and what it's like to retire and what working all those years can do to you and missing out on you know, um, just all the other things in life like travel. And so it really changed my perspective. I think I became a better advisor through that and proud to say that my father has now been retired for, gosh, if I was at four or five years ago. Yeah. I think we're getting close to four or five years now. Yeah. And Catherine, it took him probably that long just to, just to unwind and Mm -hmm. to get, um, to get where he could really chill out and, you know, and, and reconnect with himself. And so he's, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking with him so that I could become a better advisor with clients. And we've had, gosh, hundreds of case studies, just being an advisor for 15 years of people in that same situation that they end up retiring at 65 and then they're bored. And then they say, gosh, now what? 
and they end up going back to work. Or even worse, maybe their health catches up with them and they don't get to enjoy retirement, but they obsess for 40 years about, I have to have $2 million in order to hit that magic number and retire. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't, you know, what if they had have lived a little bit more along the way? And so that's kind of the point of this show is there's got to be ways where we can be good stewards of our money and be responsible and save year over year, but also live life and spend some of that money and go on trips. And I mean, my gosh, people are living now to be you know, 90 years old. And so if you're living to be 90 and maybe you want to work to your 80, but maybe at 45, you take a risk and you do something you love. So I'm sure you have some experiences in your journey. Does any of that resonate with you? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> um, yes and no. I mean, well, my dad is 90. He turned 90 on um, August 21st, the day so of the eclipse. Oh, wow. wow. So my family, I come from a line of people that live a long time. But we also, uh, you know, my dad, they also took enjoyed life a lot. And, um, and, you know, we grew up in New England, so there's always a sort of like a vacation thing or family outings or family trip was always sort of a part of our our lifestyle. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I have a really strong hard work ethic, but I kind of, I don't feel like my family ever overworked so much that they weren't enjoying living. Right. So, I mean, so you felt like growing up, your family spent a lot of time together and did and had and valued experiences, not just... Yeah, my nut, my family's a little nuts. I don't know if you want to go into it here on the radio. <laughs> we're all, all of us are, like, we yeah, all have We all have, yeah. So, yeah, we did because we're like kind of like a little bohemian and reckless. And my dad was just like, just this person that would throw caution to the wind and decide he wanted to start a restaurant one day. And then we went bankrupt. <laughs> and then, you know, and then we moved upstate New York. Then we moved back to Massachusetts. and But it was sort of, in a way, it was great because it was sort of an adventure. It wasn't crazy it was actually pretty fun but it was uh beautiful it was a, chaos right it was beautiful chaos yeah and uh but but at the same time i mean i think you know having a strong work ethic and and providing for yourself or whatnot is is an important thing but vacations are important and i think even with my own career i've sort of lost sight of that taking time off until only the last like couple of years i got back to it again and realized the value of getting away and um, the millennials are doing it right, aren't they? Taking vacations like all the time. Yes, yeah, like <laughs> on one hand, you think they're lazy, but that they're not. They're doing vacations or do something. Yeah. Yeah. they're not. Um, no, they're but I think there is a big there is a, there's a big awareness towards this, and there's a movement towards. Gosh, you know, there this, is. this whole just right. living to work versus right. working to live, or right. You know, it's, it's, and it's it's what we should do. It's because I think it's just important to you know to remember who we are instead of what we do. Right. Right. Yeah, and it sounds like growing up, it sounds like you were, um, you lived kind of a, a childhood and, and, and grew up the, the, the opposite of the typical, what I was saying with my father, where it was just a very, one job for 40 years. You had more of that, Different. like you said, bohemian lifestyle that had, right. you got to experience some of that. Some chances, chances were taken, risk were, I mean, there was a bankruptcy at one point, so there was um, some trials and tribulations along the way. And so you probably, has that played into your kind of life and working the fact that he went bankrupt, did I try to, like, not do that? Or just be, be in, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, did you decide I want to become bankrupt? <laughs> no, no we, we're going to take a break here in a minute. When we come back, we're going to speak with our special guest, Kath, Catherine X. Russ, TV producer and gifted visual artist, about her experiences with her father and also in her current, uh, current journey and her career and things that she's learned along the way. You won't want to miss this. We'll also take some of your questions when we get back. Thank you so much. Be back in a few.
Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for tuning in. Just before the break, we were speaking with our special guest, Catherine Russ, who is a TV producer and, like myself, experienced some um, a health scare with her father and has been taking care of him um, over the past year. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so let's do that. Well, first of all, let me back up. Tell us a little bit about you. I know that you grew up in Massachusetts. Um, you were a DJ in college. Mm-hmm. That's that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And then you were, you began editing and producing shows for CMT and uh, GAC. And so tell us a little bit about you. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, so I grew up in Massachusetts, and uh, my mom was an artist, and my dad was a bit of a dreamer. He wanted to be a writer, but he always was like a salesman type person. So I think he kind of uh, he always wanted to have a restaurant, and. Uh, he did that, and uh, later, let's see, I had an older sister and a brother. My s- oldest sister learned Transcendental Meditation in Spain and met the Beach Boys, Mike Love. She dated him oh, for wow. a little while. Wow. That was interesting. He stayed at our house and promised me ice cream when I was nine. And never got it. And I watched his limo for 50 cents. I never got that either. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> Thinking email's in order. I yes. Know, right? 50 cents and an ice cream, Mike Love. Um, but anyway, and then um, one thing, though, Back in that time, my brother was older, and I just we after we went bankrupt, which I mentioned before, my dad had the restaurant. We moved to upstate New York. He got another job, and I hung out with my brother a lot, who was five years older, and there weren't as many kids either of our age, so we hung out together. And I just would sit in his room, and uh, we would listen to albums all the time. And what was great, it was the time of album-oriented rock, so Ooh. it was diverse. Music was much more diverse. You had it; it wasn't just a country station, a R&B station, whatever. It was like everything was played on the radio. So, right. but in his room with this record collection, it would be like Steely Dan, Maharishi Orchestra, Chikria, um, but then it's Bob Marley. It was Fleetwood Mac. It was the pop stuff too, like um, Peter Frampton, and it was just this amazing place to go and hang out and he really introduced me to music early on he was a dj in college um and then when i went to school i was a dj so music was really very prevalent in my life growing up and then um i edited in boston and moved here in 95 okay and then um i started working on music shows and then i found like my place like it was just i just loved it and i love the storytelling because i I, I was an English major, so I just loved literature, and I like writing, and um, and I, I I love like researching somebody's life and then trying to present them in the best way possible, or how you t- can tell their story. Right. So a lot of what I do on CMT Crossroads was the when I produced that for fourteen years or whatever um, was primarily the story end of it and the editing. So I was an editor first, so it's really like kind of researching them and then um, trying to find the best material after the shoot and putting it together. And uh, and then, um, I don't know where to go from there. Well, so, <laughs> no, so working in TV, you get to tell a story with visuals, and the same thing is true with your, I know you do some painting, mm-hmm. um, but, but, you know, but how does your love of music really inspire your, your paintings? Well, that, it, you know, it just, it, it, that's, they seem to be the subject man, matter primarily. It was like one day about four years ago, all of a sudden, I mean, I, my mom was an artist and we painted as kids and okay. odds and ends and stuff. And then I just decided one day I wanted to like paint again and I got some house paint and acrylics and I just started painting musicians a lot. And it just was what 
I want to do. I'd put on music and it was just this flow that came and I couldn't stop. And I mean, I then started posting stuff on Facebook and I was getting really nice feedback from people. And then they're right. like, I can't believe how much you're producing. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't either. But it was like so fun to go home and just keep doing that for like a year nonstop. There's like over 100 paintings. And um, and I was accepted to, they invited me to go to Newport Folk Festival to sell paintings. So then I did a lot of those artists. Then I was like cranking them out thinking I was like this factory. I had to like just mass produce all these pictures of Ryan Adams and then the Jazz Fest. I had to get all these jazz folks, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Count Basie or whoever. And uh, so I was just sort of cranking stuff out. And that was sort of a motivation thinking that, I'm, oh, I'm going to sell all these paintings here. So and, there was uh, a financial, I mean, you, you had well, aspirations I, for it maybe to be a, kind a of finan- was Kind of like a deadline in a way. So as right. that was pushing me to paint more. And then even after that, I, I kept painting artists and stuff. And then when certain people pass away, for example, Leon Russell, I wanted to paint him because that was somebody that my brother introduced me to with his record collection. And then when I work oh. on a music show and I work, I hear Leon Russell, like I feel, I remember seeing him in the Ryman on Ricky Skaggs' Monday Night Concert that I worked on. It's just like I'm sitting in the Ryman and I just know like my brother's there with me then at that time. And so you mentioned, so your brother passed away when you were what, 15 or so? Yeah, I was 15 and he had a, it was a motorcycle in LA. Oh gosh, wow. okay. Yeah. How old, how, how old was he? 21. He was 21. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so y'all were very close. Very close. And he had a very, he had a love for music and a big mm-hmm. collection and was that a, a big part of the inspiration into music? Yeah, totally. His his um him uh, exposing me to music was huge. Um and they're just because it was sort of a um we just shared a lot of those sort of brother sister moments there listening to records and uh and uh and just uh, so many of those artists that he just turned me on to now it's just neat when I get a chance to work with them. Stevie Nicks or uh like it was like George Benson once or cuz it was so everywhere you know right. Peter Frampton it was just cool especially when they're great people and so I haven't painted all of those people but certainly Leon who was just amazing Leon I'm sure you still feel that connection with your brother through the music though and, and meeting some of these people yes that were so, yeah he's like he's there he's you know he's a part of it definitely right yeah so you've gotten to meet a lot of major artists and I know that that's part of your job but what is the what is that? What is the personal satisfaction you get when when you get to meet somebody that your brother liked? I mean, is it just well? I, hmm. I mean, it, sometimes it's just really a quiet moment hearing them play. It's really not talking to them. Right. It's like just it's sort of a personal moment. Um, and and then other than that, I mean, when I meet people that I like, it's genuinely because I think they're they can connect. I mean, but so often these poor guys are they're like constant and they can't even they don't they don't remember your name it's just they meet so many people and and um, but sometimes you like you really connect with some people and you really have a, a moment and that's that's really wonderful when you you know sometimes you can just have fun and have a few laughs or whatever while sure. you're doing your job sure um yeah and just so the musicians you've met over the years getting to see the work ethic of so many people who are some of the people that you've known or worked with who are prime examples of hard work really pays off oh wow Tough question. This is not a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> People that I admire, like in my field. Yeah, just uh, like naming names. Or just what are <laughs> Sarah some of Trey the, Hearn? She's pretty amazing. What are some of the, uh, the just some of the traits? She's have you brilliant? Some of the traits you've seen and and some of these musicians you've met over the years that you really v- admire. Uh, you know, it. Hmm. It depends. It's different. Um, you know, I mean, from their stories. Gosh, that's a tough question. I, I'm just thinking of one band in particular because I didn't know of them, Goodbye June. Okay. They're from Nashville, and then I was exposed to them last fall in L.A. 
and they're two cousins and a or two brothers and a cousin or something. They're related. And um their name is Goodbye June because one of them lost their brother in June. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And But they were like, their music is great. It's rock. It's just real and it's authentic and it's genuine. And that's when I it really resonates. I mean, everybody likes different music for a different – it's personal how it's going to affect you and what of you course. like. But they were like the real deal. They are the real deal. And that – I was just really inspired by them and they were incredibly articulate and honest and sincere and they weren't media trained. You know, it just they were what they were. And that's always really refreshing. Yeah. And I love that story. That story when it's just there's there's no nothing better than that. So you know it's sometimes it's like I love it when I get exposed to somebody new like that. And I'm like wow I've never even heard of these guys. They're right. they're great. Like I have to tell everybody about them and I try. You know. Well, and then and then when they're authentic on top of it and you they're get to great. connect with them, it's really it makes for a true moment. Yeah. And that's the art of music. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, so and, let's transition a little bit to your uh, to your father. So when your dad came to live in Nashville, I know it, it more than likely changed a lot of things. And right. I'm sure finances were a part of the conversation. And, um, you know, I shared a little bit about my father and what I dealt with mm-hmm. four or five years ago, but from a financial viewpoint, was there anything that surprised you about this new situation? <laughs> well, my dad wasn't very good with money. So I was really happy to find out that he had Surprise. two Vanguard accounts. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but that was his ex-wife who he's widowed. Um, so thank God, Leslie, thank goodness for you. Um, but it was no, it's a, it, it, you know, for me, um, it was just much more of an emotional thing because you go from this person who's your father, who's so strong, and he's super strong, charismatic, and uh, and then for them, you know, to to need you exactly. And, yeah, it's a, definitely a transition. Yes. Yeah. All right, we're about to go to another break. I'm David Adams. You're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we're speaking with our special guest, Catherine Russ today, TV producer, talking about uh, her career, things she's learned, and her father. And we're going to continue more on that, as well as answer some of your questions when we're back from break here in just a minute. Welcome back to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. If you have a question for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call, 615-435-3644, or go to retirewhileyouwork.com, click the Contact Us button, and we'll do our best to answer your question. And we've got several questions we're going to get to this week here in a few minutes. But we're going to continue visiting with Catherine Russ, TV producer. Um, Thank you for being here, Catherine. Thank you for having me. So right before the break. We were kind of comparing notes and um, what I went through with my father. And then I know over this past year, you've you've kind of transitioned to that point in life where you're now um, caring for your father. Mm-hmm. Um, so financially, what you were talking about, a few surprises that you ran into, but how has this caused you to revisit your personal finances and has it affected your personal goals or your ability to retire while you work, as we say? Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think about my... I mean, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a planner, but I guess I don't I don't think about it like that. But I think what it was was um, what it does is make you step back and reevaluate things because my dad fell and he lay there for two days. Then he was in a rehab facility. He was in South Carolina. He was from Massachusetts, but he was down there. So I had to move him here to an assisted living. He's, he's in Green Hills in Brookdale, which is great. Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, so that decision was just had to it was because it was so emotional with him far away and and when he was getting injured he would fall down again I just it was overwhelming and when you're working and everything it just is too much so this year I think what I learned from that though was that 
I usually take always have taken every job because I'm a freelancer, so you never say no. And this year I started saying no, and I had to because I wanted to leave more room for him. And um, so it's a different priority. And then I also decided to take, after I spent a lot of time with him and he was situated and he was doing much better, I realized I needed to take more time for myself. So I ended up taking two vacations this summer instead of one because after I came back, I was like, that was so great. I, I need that again. And why not? Because we, yeah. we only live once. So right. what, am I, what am I, you know, like your dad, you don't want to wait until, you know, retirement age to, to have fun and relax and enjoy yourself. To, I mean, I enjoy myself. Don't get me wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but no, at the same time, you just like it's everyone's it really worried about you. their money. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm gonna keep working. You know, I get you get a little freaked out when you're a freelancer. All freelance friends do. They're like, oh, I haven't worked for a month. I don't have work coming up. And but you know, it, it always comes around. You know, you just have to kind of exhale, and it's not always easy, but you do, and just like try to enjoy it while you can. Now, while mm-hmm. I mean, I think the word retirement, and tell me what you think, is really becoming. Um, antiquated, and a lot of people don't even resonate with that word because retirement means to stop. And most right. of us, you know, it, you know, the, the ones studies show that people that just work to their sixty-five and never pull their head up, you know, a lot of times everything they start going downhill health-wise, developed early dementia and different things. Yeah, we've they, talked about it being more of a transition to a new chapter in life versus just stopping. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe it's doing that. You know, starting that company, you all, a restaurant or whatever it is you always wanted to do that you were scared to do in your 30s and 40s, maybe when you were raising kids and mm-hmm. kind of making that transition, but continuing to do something and having a purpose. And mm-hmm. so I think you mentioned the millennials earlier. I think that's something I hear quite a bit is that, like, well, I'm not thinking about retirement. I want to find something I love doing and just mm-hmm. keep doing it, especially if you're going to live to be 90 or 95. Right. So, right. Um, now, so what advice would you have for us that? that you've learned by helping a parent and being a caretaker? Um, By helping a parent and being a caretaker is um, I wish that, I guess no one really knows how hard it is, and I've seen other friends go through it, but I had no idea, and I still don't know. I just sort of wish I was there for them more because everyone's going to come to this point in their life. This is a chapter that everyone's going to have to have, and when their parent becomes almost like their kid, it's it's weird. It's it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. And um, but then it's also sort of really rewarding in a lot of ways, you know. And it's kind of um, I don't know about advice. It's just I don't know how some people do it to be honest, because there's so much planning. And luckily, I'm a producer, so I have a lot of that organizational brain. But it's just nonstop with, you know, having to like I had to take over his finances, and I had to like you know, then you have to you're on the phone forever just trying to get track permission. stuff, track stuff down, get permission. Yeah, right. it's ridiculous. Yeah. It just it never ends. It's crazy, and um, that stuff's really hard. They, uh, um, but uh, I don't know. It's just um, you know, if you have anyone that offers help, just just let them do it. You know, is one thing, and um, but it's I guess just try to pay attention when other people if you see that they're going through it because it's like it's just something. You, you really don't know what it's going to feel like until it happens to you. And I kind of just wish I could have been more supportive for other friends, and we'll try to be if one other friends of mine are going to go, be going through this. And I can relate to what you said about it is it is a lot of work. Um, my situation with my father was different. It was more just help coaching him to that point of, like, let's it's it's time to make that transition. Let's not just do this for three more years and, and, and actually have a stroke. Um, but it's rewarding from the standpoint that you feel like you're getting in a lot of ways to pay them back for all the sacrifices they made mm-hmm. when you were growing up. So I think mm-hmm. there is definitely a kind of a sweet, kind of rewarding component to it. Yeah, it's just sort of what you're supposed to do, you right. know? It's what we're supposed to do. I think we have to take care of each other, and we're such a myopic society, I think, oftentimes. And 
And so I just think it's it's just what you're supposed to do. When they call us, we had somebody on here recently. We were talking about the sandwich generation, where you're at that stage in life where you can, put, uh, you know, conceivably be taking care of kids and aging parents mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of stuck in the middle. So. Wow. Um, well, good stuff. Well, we're going to come back. We want to visit with you. I have some other questions for you about uh, career stuff and things you've learned. But Siobhan, do we have any questions? We do. We do. We've got some great questions this week from some client meetings and some, from some listeners. So you guys keep sending us those uh, questions by either calling 615-435-3644 or going to the Retire While You Work website. The first question this week is actually from Jane from Tullahoma who has a question about her long-term care policy and about the premiums uh, keep going up and up, and she's getting these letters. What should she do? She thought that the premium was supposed to stay the same, and it's, she's just getting really frustrated in regards to knowing uh, what all this means and does she even still need long-term care insurance and so forth. So, gotcha. Well, no, good question. Very common question. Catherine, I'm only going to – we were talking about that with your father. Did, was there long-term care insurance? Is that something you've dealt with? He had really terrible insurance. He had like a Humana policy that I kind of let my sister deal with that because um, I was more boots on the ground and she kind of did the other some other stuff like that. I gotcha. The insurance. So, but it was like not. He, he didn't have a good policy at all, and it's like um, he didn't have a supplemental, and a lot of people need that. Sure. Um, but then when we moved into Tennessee, she kind of reworked it so he has better gotcha. insurance. So, so, but not long term insurance. Not long. Yeah. And 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 so Jane's question from Tullahoma was about long term care insurance and. It was something that became more uh, commonly talked about probably 10 or 10 or 12 years ago, but the costs keep going up. And so what, what she's referring to is a lot of people were getting these policies um, 10 years ago. And for example, you could get a policy for um, a husband and a wife for maybe 3000 bucks a year that covered six years in a nursing home. And that was kind of a standard, your Honda Accord policy, if you will. And if let's say that costs 3000 bucks, and I'm just generalizing, what's an most people felt like that's supposed to be a level premium for the right. rest of their life. And it was designed to do that, but with the asterisk, this could go up. They can't increase it just for you because of your health, but they can increase it all the way across the board. And that's what's happened. Insurance yes. companies have had the pressure with uh, increasing medical costs. And so they've had to go, you know, the John Hancocks, the generous of the world, they could send these letters saying, okay, you know, okay, Jane, now your policy is going to go, the same policy instead of 3000 is going to be 5000 a year. Which is a big shock to a lot of people because a lot of times they're on fixed income, Social Security, et cetera. But now I'll tell you this. They're required, though, and you'll see this. You always have a choice to keep your premium the same. So you pay that three, same $3,000 in my example, but they just maybe lower the benefit a little bit. So maybe they say you can keep paying 3000 but instead of six years, now it's only going to be good for four and a half or five years. Or if you want to keep six years, you've now got to pay 5000 bucks. And so I went through this with my parents. Uh, we went through this with a client last week. It's a really tough thing, but I'd say um, maybe one time, and it's you, know, you do one thing. So maybe the first time you just kind of pass, say we really don't want to pay more. We're okay if our benefit goes down a little bit. And then hopefully it's five, seven, ten years from now that they decide to increase it again. Maybe at that point you look at increasing and just kind of evaluate it each time. But it's it's really an art, not a science, because these policies, most people bought them thinking they'd be able to afford it, and it's been really frustrating. So I always tell my clients, sit down with us or sit down with your financial advisor and take a look at the affordability affordability of that policy. You don't want to just cancel it, because if you paid for it for all these years... You want to keep it for going later. And let's mm-hmm. say, you know, 
Jane, if you're 63 and you paid for it for 10 years, last thing you want to do is cancel it now. So I would encourage you to take less of a benefit. Keep paying the premium if you're still able to afford it and then uh, look at it every few years with your advisor. So great question. We've got a couple more questions when we come back from break. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were answering some of your questions we received throughout the week. You can always submit yours by calling 615-435-3644 or going to Retire While You Work and hitting the Contact Us button. So, Siobhan, give us our next question, please. This next question is from Doug, a listener in Brentwood. And he is interested in individual stocks. He says that his advisor doesn't want him to invest in individual stocks on his own, but that he sometimes has some ideas from time to time and some different types of stocks that strike his fancy. Obviously, I put in the strike the fancy part. Um, and he doesn't want to put a lot in, but he does um, want to make certain that it is okay to invest in individual stocks and that he's not completely messing up his entire financial plan. And he's asking if he was one of our clients, what would we advise him? Yeah, the part that's interesting there, I mean, the, the, the my advisor doesn't want me to ever invest in individual stocks. Obviously, I thought that was a really interesting comment. Obviously, I, I don't know Doug's entire situation, and um, we'd have to get, you know, look under the hood a little bit more. But I'll say this, um, typically... Um, you know, I think individual stocks are fine for a client, but we always limit it to no more than two to five percent of a total portfolio or someone's net worth. So what I mean is, if you have a million dollars, you came into our office and you really wanted to buy um, Apple or Google or something, I would say, you know, as long as you know, we're talking twenty thousand, twenty to fifty thousand dollars. In my opinion, that's good risk management. You're not going to own enough that could really break the bank if that stock went south. But you're um, still owning some to have some potential growth, perhaps. Or- yeah, and to and I think it's important that if you enjoy it um, and it keeps you engaged and it's a hobby or you can learn a lot from doing it, I think it's important to give to give anybody and to give a client the ability to do that. So I'll say a lot of times, you take your fund money, go open up a, a trading account and buy stocks. But my job as an advisor is to make sure it's only X percentage so that if you mess up and it goes to zero, we're not going to affect your long-term financial planning. But on the flip side, I tell somebody, hey, if you take 50000 bucks and our accounts over here are just, you know, getting some sort of average rate of return and you double your money and you turn 50 to 100 Wow. Send us send us to fifty thousand um, into the into the risk managed account into the normal portfolio and then just play with the house money. It's it's all about risk management. So I think individual stocks are fine. Uh, Doug from Brentwood, if you enjoy doing that, um, and I would talk to your advisor about um, you know just what is an an appropriate percentage that he or she feels comfortable with letting you invest. But I wouldn't. Um, I'd always I always kind of. Turn my head if somebody says you should never do anything, but definitely um, there's some consideration. So, good question. Got time for one more, Siobhan. Great. This one is from um, a, a another listener. Her name is Susan, and she is from Nashville. And she emailed us asking, in regards to estate planning, how often should they actually get their wills looked at? They had theirs done in New Jersey about 10 years ago, and now they live here in Tennessee. So, 
Should they even look at their wills? Or are they still good to go? Yep. So I would say whenever you, about every five to seven years, I'm just, that that's an average. I mean, because you could have a will that you did 20 years ago and it, it very possibly is fine. But about every five to seven years with your financial planner, at least we do that in our office, we'll bring up, okay, I know nothing major has changed, um, but maybe let's take a look at your will, read it over over the weekend, and let's see if anything stands out as being outdated, and we can get with your estate planning attorney. But every time we have a client that has some sort of life event, um, marriage, divorce, loss of a loved one, et cetera, moving states would be one of those. Yes. Um, I would say that's a time to get with an estate planning attorney and look at your old documents. Um, so moving from New Jersey to Tennessee, um, possible that the documents are 95% um, accurate, but there may be a couple of tweaks that we'd make here in Tennessee because of, you know, whether it's an estate, estate tax or some sort of inheritance tax, some sort of tweak um, that's state specific. And it's, a lot of times it's not that expensive to do. So I would, I would advise Susan to get with an estate planning attorney and your financial advisor, make any changes. And then for anybody else listening, any major life event, that's a, that's a good time to do it. And then everybody, when we when we think about, you mentioned wills, um, a basic estate planning package should be for almost everybody would be having a will, having a power of attorney. Typically, that's for um, finances and also healthcare decisions. A durable power of attorney, and then a living will, which is also very important. That's kind of the standard package. And then a lot of times you can get into things like trust and get more complex. That's more situation specific. Um, that we as financial advisors and or your estate planning attorney can help with. So great question. Thanks for those, Siobhan. Um, and if, again, if you have a question, go to Retire While You Work, click the Contact Us button. Um, we'd love to hear from you or give us a call, 615-435-3644, and we'll answer your question next week. Now, I want to go back and visit with you, Catherine. Thank you for being here again. It's Thank been great, you for having me. Great visiting with you. I know we talked a little bit about your experiences and, and helping your father, but I just want to talk about, a little bit about kind of on a professional basis and um, things you've you've learned and and been through. So, what are some uh, what are some ways that because it sounds like TV producing sometimes could can probably be stressful like any other job, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what are some things you do for fun to blow off steam? Uh, let's see. Well, I I actually I go out to hear music a lot and um, or have dinner with friends. Um, I teach spin, or I cycle. Oh, well, okay. Yep. I also have a Airbnb. Yep. It's from my retirement plan because I'd been freelance. I didn't have like the 401k and all that stuff. So I, my sort of retirement plan is I have this Airbnb behind my house. So that's going to generate income later. Um, that doesn't really take off stress, though. That's just more work. But, <laughs> but that's it. But no, that's interesting. We've had entire shows on Airbnb with real estate agents. So yes. you actually have one set up behind your house now and you're already doing it. Yep. And, and is it is it, you've got you've got the system down? Kind it's of, yeah, I'm in East Nashville near Five Points, so it's like jamming. Oh, yeah, it's great. Twenty five days a month, it's booked. Not that well. It's like two sides, so oh, okay. it's, every, it's booked every week. It's booked a lot. Yeah, at least that. Yeah, so it's great. And financially, that's that's gonna be a nice play, little income stream in retirement. It is. It is. Okay. Yep. Definitely. Great. Definitely. Um, so that's so cycling, or you said spinning, mm-hmm. Airbnb. You got some diverse things going on. TV right. producing. Yeah, art, art. and that's sort of one thing. Is I started as a video editor, and one thing, of course is just sort of to, I think, the best way to kind of survive in today's age is to diversify. So that's why, I, you know, at one point I bought some rental properties and I, you know, I edit and I can produce, but then I'm also organized. So sometimes I work on live shows, like organizing all the on, like CMT awards, the nominee packages, all those right. all those things that roll in, the show open, the nominee packages and all that, overseeing that. So, um, 
but so yeah, those can be particularly stressful, especially if I when I was going full on freelance because you never say no to anything. And there have been times when I felt like I remember I finished my last show after working at one after another after another after another with all these deadlines and everything, and and just feeling like a crested Mount Everest once the last one was done. And um, it's super it's super stressful. Um, but it's also sort of weirdly addicting to to work that hard too, and you kind of probably like your dad, he couldn't let it go. Oh yeah. And it's something that you know you kind of learn to do because you just have to also have a life. And um, and if I go out, I don't really like to sit around and talk about work. I like to sort of talk about other things because there's so many other things going on in the world. So I guess one of my, my downtime is I try to go out and talk about other things with people, and uh, I think that's really important. Absolutely. So um, where do you find your inspiration now? Hmm. Good question. I don't. <laughs> I haven't questions. been painting. I need it to come back. <laughs> I'm searching for my inspiration. Um, I, you know, it's funny, though. When um, Sam Shepard died, I started reading some short stories by him, and I went to Martha's Vineyard on vacation. And after that, there was a point after college that I thought I wanted I – wanted, I was writing, and my dad writes. He's self-published a book of poetry. Oh. That, that oh, um, he writes, yeah, that's always been his passion. So I tried to get into Iowa's Writers' Workshop, and I was turned down, which is it's tough to get in anyway. And so I used to write, and then I kind of stopped because I sort of didn't really have any encouragement because there wasn't anywhere. I didn't put it anywhere to get any. But I uh, recently started writing again, and that, that was weird. It was like when I was painting, it was just all of a sudden this floodgates open. So I was just writing short stories and kind of more about interaction with people, sort of snapshots of other people's lives, like right. this particular conversation I had with a guy, and we were at um, Legal Seafood, Logan Airport, and just sort of his life sort of unfolded in front of me, and then I put it down, and it's just sort of, that's sort of what I want to try to put together, sort of a snapshots of different people that I meet, because we're all so interesting and diverse, and... and yeah. uh sounds like you are, and your father was, and so you... It, 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 I know it can be a challenge for the organizational side of the mind to work in tandem with the creative side of the mind, so how have you made this work for you? Because that's that I, left and right brain. Sounds I like think the organizational brain can kind of squelch the... Uh, the creative brain, if you spend too much time with that. Actually, there was this interesting thing. It was in Southwest Air- Airlines magazine about this guy that he dove into a swimming pool and he like kind of was dysfunctional. His marriage was like on the rocks and everything. And then all of a sudden he hit his head. And I don't recommend doing this, but he came out of the pool and he was like a virtuoso on the piano. I don't know. Do you guys oh, read this? Yes. <laughs> I know. I've read this story. Yes. And then it was something about how the, like if you're too, and I can be super organized, like I kind of feel like it can... Um, inhibit your creative side sometimes. Some of that uh, get that paralysis by analysis. You can end up yeah. having a great idea, but then you're, how am I going to do it? How am I going to organize it? And you end up not doing it. Or well, for me, it's different. Like once I was like painting again, I was feeling the inspiration, and um, and then I got a job. Like and then I had to work, and I had to step away from it. So I couldn't. I, I, the the flow was there. This inspiration. I was like painting on like black velvet for a little while, inspired by the black El- Elvis Elvis paintings, velvet paintings. Yeah. You know? But um, I did like a mariachi band, and I did some others, and they were kind of cool, and it was fun. But then I got a job, and it kind of just felt I don't have time for that now. <laughs> so it's it's hard because then I and then I felt like ah, it was like there that inspiration. Right. So um, it's I don't know. I just have to kind of try to try to start up painting again, hoping it comes back. Gotcha. Well, last question for you. You've lived in Nashville for more than 20 years. How have you adapted to the changing landscape of, of television production here? Oh, it's changed a lot. Oh, yeah, Nashville's changed a lot, but just— Oh, it, well, GAC's pretty much gone. I mean, right. there was, and CMT is is uh, um, not 
everything that it was. You know, the budget's huge budget cuts, and uh, it's it's a different landscape. And but so much of it is like online now. It's just different. So you just have to like it's like um, who moved my cheese? Right. Yes. Yep. That's like brilliant. So you know, I just that's my model. You just do it and you move it. Yeah. Yep. Just find another way down the maze to get to that piece of cheese. Yes. Well, yep. Catherine, so nice to have you here today. Okay. Thank you so much. Now, how can how can we find out more about you? How can we find your work? Uh, well, my Website. artwork is on uh, CatherineXRust.com. CatherineXRust.com. Mm-hmm. Got it. Paintings. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Give us a call at 615 435 3644 or come by and visit us in our 12th South office. We'd love to see you. Remember, there are many more important things in life to worry about than money, and we certainly hope that this show helps. Talk to you next week. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. David Adams Wealth Group is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC.